Live from Chatterbox Sports Studios, it's Off the Bench with Tom Brenneman. Good morning, good morning, and a good Thursday morning to you. Getting ready for the weekend. Coming around, starting tomorrow. Welcome to Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers. I'm Tom Brenneman. We come your way, 10 a.m. to noon Eastern, Monday through Friday. You can find us, many of you already have, on YouTube slash Chatterbox Sports. We ask you, please subscribe to the show. You can also find us streaming on Twitter and Facebook, where the show streams on the Chatterbox Sports page. Flip the notification switch on. If you prefer to join us in podcast form, we're there for you. Just search off the bench with Tom Brenneman and you are dialed in. The Bengals, back at it today downtown, ready for the Cleveland Browns. Kickoff is at Paycor this Sunday at 1 o'clock. We've talked a lot about it. The Bengals have lost five in a row to their division rivals. They haven't beaten them since 2019. Bengals are a six-point favorite. We have James Rapine coming up shortly. Zach Taylor yesterday in his press conference, did you see this? Made it very clear that when Joe Mixon is healthy and out of concussion protocol, he will be the starting running back for your Cincinnati Bengals. Not some J.P. Ryan. P. Ryan ran for better than 100 yards on Sunday, added 50 receiving yards in that win over Kansas City. Tonight on Thursday Night Football, the defending Super Bowl champion L.A. Rams, losers of six in a row, host Las Vegas. Every game now is a must-win for the Raiders. Let me hear it, Casey. The Raiders. Very nice. You're getting better at that. A lot better. Uh, but basically, they're two games out of the final wild card spot. They need help. They have to leapfrog three other teams to get there. And did you see the news on Von Miller? One of the best pass rushers in the NFL. They went in for exploratory surgery after his injury a couple of weeks ago. They found out he has a torn ACL. Von Miller, sadly, is out for the year. Crosstown shootout, Saturday at 5th, 3rd Arena. UC and Xavier tip off at 3 o'clock. If you missed it, we were joined yesterday by Bearcats head man, Wes Miller. He's got an incredible reception uh, on our Tom Brenneman TV Twitter account. Former Muskie Steve Wolf will join us tomorrow to talk about this matchup, and we're working on getting our buddy Terry Nelson as well. So thanks to Paul and Brandon for that. Baseball, the cash keeps on flowing. Start with San Diego. It's just mind-boggling what the Padres are doing. Xander Bogarts gets an 11-year, $280 million contract from the Padres. Bogarts will eventually move from shortstop to second base when Fernando Tatis Jr. returns from his suspension. So the Red Sox lose Bogarts. They sign Matsutaka Yoshida, an outfielder from the Japanese League. Five years, 90 million bucks. Boston also added closer Kenley Jansen on a two-year deal for 32 million. The Cardinals lose their longtime future Hall of Famer, Yadier Molina. He retired, of course, at the end of last year. So they go out and they get one of the best in the business to replace him in Wilson Contreras. Five years, 90 million bucks. And this is the one. And I know all you analytics people are going to start throwing stuff at the screen. Wins don't matter. Wins don't matter by a starting pitcher. 
Jose Quintana, good pitcher, been a good pitcher for a long time, gets a two-year deal from the Mets for $26 million. Last year, this cat started 32 games for the Pirates and then was traded to the Cardinals. He won six games last year. Two years, 26 million bucks. God bless him. God bless him. Casey, Paul, the Dunce, Brandon Sayo, how's everybody today? We're doing good. Yeah, we're doing great. Great to be with you today, Tom. Great to be with you guys. As always, we are uh, loaded up in the chat. Don is around talking about the Reds offseason in a nutshell compared to the Cubbies, Cody Bellinger, and Jamison Tyone. Cardinals get Wilson Contreras. Hmm. Paul. By the way, uh, two things that I missed yesterday, uh, and I really feel badly about December 7th, 1941. That was the day the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. And the hundreds of U.S. military men and women that lost their lives, and of course that catapulted the United States into the greatest war ever, taking down Hitler and Nazi Germany, the Japanese, the Italians. Um, I am very sorry that I did not mention that yesterday. A day which will live in infamy. Also yesterday was Johnny Bench's birthday. I was texting with him last night. Once I realized it was his birthday, uh, I sent the old boy a happy birthday wish. He's had four days, he said, worth of celebrating down in Florida. He texted me this morning. He says enough is enough. Uh, and also today, sadly, a Cincinnati institution, Jerry Thomas, was on morning radio on WKRC, among other places, forever. Great guy. Did so much in this community. His son, Brian Thomas, is on 55KRC now every morning. But Jerry Thomas died after a long bout with Alzheimer's, 83 years young. God rest your soul, Jerry Thomas. Do we have James Rapine yet? No, we do not. Not yet. Okay. Uh, let's see what else. You guys want to add any of that? Anything you want to comment on? Any of the above or no? Happy birthday to Johnny. How's he doing? He's doing great. I mean, he is doing great. You know, uh, he's raising his two boys. We had him on the program here, the big interview a number of weeks ago. Uh, so he's really, really busy. Uh, he's raising those two boys down in Florida. And um, the guy really seems happy. Uh, I'm, you know, we talked about it with him and the whole thing with him and Pete Rose and, um, you know, during their playing careers. And, of course, Pete being a Cincinnati guy and Johnny was from Oklahoma. Um, and I think there was tremendous jealousy there, um, both by Bench and Rose, and then some of the things that happened later uh, when Pete got entangled uh, due to his own doing, of course, uh, on the gambling situation. Um, and, you know, I think Johnny seems very content and very happy. So happy birthday, belated happy birthday to Johnny Bench. Paul, were you getting ready to add something there? You look like you were getting ready to speak. Or were you just, no, talking, Casey to, and I were. You just talking to Casey? Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're currently undergoing a new We got a new audio, setup here. We have a new setup here. A nice new audio board. We're just trying to get used to it. That's all. We have any problems? Anything going on? No. No, no problems. Okay. No. 
Just adjustments on yeah. the fly. We might Paul sound better. Painter. Do we, you know Paul Painter? Don't know Paul Painter. He's but. new to the program. He just joined in on the chat. Able to watch live for a change. He obviously downloads our show. Paul, thank you. Excalibur Iron Force. There's a nickname. That's a, is that the best name on this chat? It might be. Yeah, it really is. Don, salute. We salute you, my friend, as always. And our retired veteran who's on this program each and every day. Um, Don points out the Padres shortstops, plural, plural, Fernando Tatis Jr. and now Xander Bogarts, will make more money than the entire Reds team in 2023. Just the two shortstops? Just the two shortstops. One, of course, who cannot play because he will continue his suspension going back to last year in Fernando Tatis Jr. We're not going to get all political here today. It's a big story in the, in the world. It's a big story in sports. Brittany Griner, WNBA star, was arrested in Russia. She has been swapped out for a man that has the, the nickname the Merchant of Death. So that's a one-on-one -on -one prisoner swap. I'm not getting into all that. Uh, everybody can have their own opinion about it. Uh, apparently, Micah Parsons, the star defender of the Dallas Cowboys, has come out uh, and said, uh, you got to be kidding. We left a Marine behind, and that's a story in and of itself, uh, who was arrested years ago on espionage charges, spy charges. Um, I don't know the whole story. I'm not going to get into the story. It's just reporting the story is all we're doing here. Okay? You make your own judgment or decision how you feel about it and i don't need to sit here and tell you what i think about it all right so we got the tracer coming up today we have james rapine anytime now we hope yeah yep. he said uh he sent me an email 10 15 and, and yep 10 15 right and he, yeah and he said that there might be some uh construction working yeah he, he had told he's got something going on in his house yeah. He's got something going on. So he might be dealing with that. We power through. Yeah. We'll power through. CJ says, Tom should have checked out Seven Hills Marymount Saturday. Uh, I've been to uh, most of the Marymount basketball games this year. I missed that one on Saturday. Had other plans. But I will be there Friday night when they give Indian Hill a butt kicking. That's tomorrow night. <laughs> uh, Everett says, Tracy Jones, the man of the people. Let's go. We'll have Tracy here at 1130. Tom, are you going to be at the shootout on uh, Saturday? No, I don't have a ticket. Mm. You got any tickets? I don't think so. I will be there. I figure I if I wear this, this, this shirt, this blue shirt, that I would be able to sit in whatever section that you would be able to put me in. That's right? true. Yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to having Steve Wolf tomorrow because he, what a great guy. I, you know, just an awesome guy. I've known his wife forever. Um, and just a great dude. She had to battle through cancer. Um, a number of years ago, and um, he does a great job broadcasting games on television. His family, of course, I would make the argument. Now, if you're talking about professional level and all that kind of thing, the Larkin family would be the family. Um, but if you're just talking, I mean, the huge umbrella of Cincinnati sports families, no one matches the Wolf family. <laughs> Nobody. No. I mean, going way back. I see Marty all the time. Phenomenal tennis player. Um, and so anyway, we're looking forward to having Steve. All right. 
I, I don't know if uh, if if James uh, has his tool belt on or has um, you know some construction stuff going on. I can't believe he doesn't have everything covered up back there behind him. His Dr. Seuss book, his Will Smith book, his UC helmet, et cetera, et cetera. James, what do you got going on? You doing some big league renovation over there or what? Yeah, a little, little bathroom renovation, a little HGTV at the Rapine household going on right now. But uh, yeah, but by the way, what's wrong with Will Smith? Nothing's wrong with Will Smith. Don't, don't do that. I didn't say there was anything. I just said <laughs> uh, you didn't cover it up. I didn't badmouth the guy. No. I mean, look, no. we're all in favor in walking up on international televisions and smacking some guy across the face. That's all cool. Yeah. What? Well, outside of that moment. Yes, outside, I've really enjoyed has it. Been you know, that, 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 and, and look, I know that, that people inside of football stay as far away from that whole movie that he was in about concussions and about the CTE thing and, and all that kind of thing. But that was a fantastic movie. He's done a lot of other stuff that's great. Casey, can you turn up my headset a little bit? You had asked that earlier. Please, thank you. All right, James, uh, I, I want to ask you, first of all, Zach Taylor yesterday comes out and, I mean, makes no bones about it. Joe Mixon, if he's healthy, clears concussion protocol. He is my guy. Were you surprised by that? Nope, not one bit. And it's it's what I've heard throughout this this time. And I think it's been good fodder outside of the building, but there really is no question inside the building about who the Bengals' starting running back is. Now, does that mean that Samaj P. Ryan won't get more touches or that they're even more comfortable than they were prior to Joe Mixon's concussion with P. Ryan in big moments? No, I think he certainly earned more carries, more snaps, uh, potentially more touches because he can do everything. And so if you have a, a running back that can do everything at a, a relatively high level across the board, use him and keep Joe Mixon fresh. And much like they did at Oklahoma, they can keep each other fresh and, and get the most out of both backs. So in a tandem running back league, I get what they're paying Joe Mixon. That can't matter when it comes to keeping him fresh and, and doing what's best for the team. And so I, I do think that getting Pirine more snaps compared to what it was and, and where he was pre-Joe Mixon getting injured, is uh, that needs to change. But as far as the starting job, yeah, it's, it's Joe Mixon's job for sure. I, you know, but, but, but James, look, you watch this team in practice every day. I love Joe Mixon. Uh, I, I think mm -hmm. he has been – just an outstanding player here since the day he set foot in Cincinnati. And he's been a good citizen off the field, too. And I think there's a lot to be said for that after everything that was going on around him in Oklahoma when he came out of the draft. Um, but, James, when you're sitting there up in the press box watching the game, and you were there last Sunday, this team looks different with P. Ryan to me. Am I wrong on that? They just look to me like there's an edge, there's an attitude, there's a toughness. And, and I, I know Mixon's a tough guy, and I know he cares, and mm -hmm. he's a passionate player, but they just look different. Am I wrong about that? Well, they may look different because this offense has evolved. They may look different partially because P. Ryan's in there, and you know he is a better pass blocker than Joe Mixon. There's no denying that. So we'll see. It's going to be a, an interesting test on Sunday because they're certainly going to play Mixon. And can this offense continue to hum with Joe Mixon as it has with Samaj P. Ryan? You know, Zach Taylor will, will, won't hesitate to remind you that Mixon had five touchdowns the last time we saw him yeah. play a full game. And I get that, and he is capable of that. But 
his floor has to be higher. I think that's the thing with Samaje Pirine is his bad is still solid. He might not have the ceiling that Mixon has or the upside of breaking one for, you know, 52 yards downfield uh, or 30 yards for that matter, but he's going to get you nine. And that's what this offense needs. So I, I get that. He's He's been a really good piece that has kept the offense moving downfield. And yet I, I think Mixon is capable of that as well. And I, I'm curious to see how he plays, how he looks, given uh, what we've seen from Piran over the past couple of weeks. Is he fully cleared at this point? Uh, did I miss that? I, I had not seen where he's fully cleared to play this Sunday. Has that been decided on yet? It hasn't, but Zach essentially said that yesterday he had to get through a full contact practice which practice in full and, and he practiced in full yesterday so uh, i think all signs port point to unless there's something unforeseen point to him starting on sunday against um, against the cleveland browns what about other injuries anything to be concerned about someone pointing out on twitter uh that that, that that joe burrow sounded like he had a cold lord knows everybody and his brother right now has something going on is he all right everybody else all right did sound like he had a cold. I think he's fine, right? And he had just come inside from uh, the walkthrough, so who knows if that was part of it too. Uh, everyone seems okay outside of Hayden Hurst, and, and that's the one where I don't think you're going to have him this week. He was in a boot uh, yesterday, and, and that's to obviously help with that calf injury that he suffered. But I watched him test the calf out on the sidelines before they even announced the injury in the first quarter on Sunday. And you could just tell he was he was frustrated because it, it did not get to where uh, he wanted it. And so if their adrenaline's pumping and you're not able to go back out there with something like this, you do wonder how serious it is. But I would be shocked if, if Hayden Hurst plays on Sunday and looks like he could miss multiple weeks. You know, I got to tell you, you know, you look at you look at three areas of this team and I'm not going to well, I'm just going to set aside. I'm not going to dismiss the defense and the job that Lou Anarumo has done as defensive coordinator and, and the secondaries coach and a linebackers coach, defensive line coach. But when you look on the offensive side of the football, uh, Hurst is now hurt, samples out for the year. Wilcox <laughs> has really done a good job. Really good job, especially uh, blocking. He's capable of catching a ball. So, so what I'm getting at here is when you look at the staff under Zach and under Brian Callahan, running backs coach, P. Ryan has stepped in there, and, and you can make yep. the argument they've been better with him in there. Whether or not you want to agree with that or not, he looked really good last week starting and getting all the carries. The offensive line, and much was made about their struggles early in the year. Tight ends coach and all that's gone on there. This looks like, uh, you know, and, and maybe I, you know, everybody's saying duh, but it seems like the staff and not necessarily the guys that get all the pub and, and, and you know their names off the top of your head have been very, very good for this Bengals franchise. Totally agree. And I'm glad you pointed that out because. I'm the first one to, to, to rip Taylor during, you know, game management decisions and things like that in crunch time. But I think overall the entire staffs Taylor on down, they've evolved, they've gotten better. They've improved as the season has gone on. And part of that is adjusting, pivoting, being open to new ideas, being open to changing your run game from a wide zone to a power scheme uh, to open things up and, and suit your offensive line that didn't play together in the preseason. Uh, there were a lot of people frustrated with Frank Pollock and his teachings. Well, it's working now, right? And, and so I agree with you. 
I, I think they've done a, a tremendous job to go three and one without Jamar Chase. I don't think the staff, I don't think this team, either one, was capable of doing that last year. And, and they were able to, to do that and, and make a run despite not having, you know, their best skill player. So that's just one example. You're right, losing Drew Sample. He was a big part of what they do, even though he's not a flashy name and fans don't, you know, think of Drew Sample as one of the stars on this team. And so losing him, well, now you're asking Hayden Hurst to block more. And that was kind of a knock on him coming into this season. And when they signed him in free agency, he's been a solid blocker. It made a, a you know, a highlight tape against the uh, – against the Titans a couple of weeks ago. I know that went viral on social media. So the depth of this team has been tested, which is something we didn't really say last year. And they've been able to to not only keep their head above water, but get better as the season's gone on. And so the assistant coaches, James Casey, the tight ends coach, Frank Pollock, uh, everybody uh, up and down this uh this staff deserves credit because they've uh, they've done a really good job, and that's why the uh, big reason why the Bengals are eight and four going into Sunday's game. Okay, Sunday's game. Um, you know, you, <laughs> you talk about it on your podcast. You've written about it. Uh, we've talked a lot about it on this show. If you're going to, you know, make the statement that the Bengals are in the Titans' heads, right? They've beaten them, <laughs> right? And they're in the Chiefs' yeah. heads. Okay. Yeah. Uh, three times beating Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in this calendar year. You certainly have to agree that there's a possibility the Browns very much live inside the Bengals' heads. Um, what are you hearing? Not necessarily on the record because, you know, we've seen and heard a lot of that. Um, what are you hearing sort of off the record inside that Bengals locker room about their approach to this game and finally getting over the hump and Burrow finally beating Cleveland for the first time in his career? As weird as it sounds, I think they're approaching this just like they would any other divisional game. And by the way, that's a heightened sense of, uh, of uh, attention to detail and focus just because it is a division game. But this idea... First off, and I, and I get it. I get the, the heads thing. I, I haven't written that about the, the Chiefs, by the way. I don't necessarily think that's true. I think Burroughs outplayed Mahomes, and that's why. I don't, I don't think one's in the, the other's head or anything like that. It might, it might be a bad matchup. And by the way, the Browns might just be a bad matchup for the Bengals. They can run the ball, they can get off to a fast start, and they can pressure Burrow. Maybe that's all this comes down to. But I watched Burrow in his second game carry the Bengals at First Energy Stadium against a much better Browns roster and almost beat the Browns on Thursday night. And then like five, what, five weeks later, he, he should have led the Bengals past the Browns, but that bad defense for the Bengals could not stop Donovan Peoples-Jones and Baker Mayfield. What a dynamic duo. Last year, Burrow was bad. And in earlier this year, obviously, they, they struggled on Monday night football. So I don't think it's as bad. I don't count the Week 18 game last year because no one was playing. I don't think it's as bad as it feels, but I said all that to say, yeah, it's still five straight. And now with the Bengals potentially making a push for the one seed, you can't lose to the Browns again. You can't lose at home to a team that has a quarterback that last week couldn't hit the side of a barn with the ball, 12 of 22, and it wasn't that pretty. It was much, much uglier for Deshaun Watson. So this Bengals defense should be able to stop the run. We saw it a few weeks ago with Derrick Henry. They were able to do that at Tennessee. Got to do it again this week against the Browns. Got to find a way to, to get a win because, yeah, 0-5 in your last five against Cleveland can't happen, especially now when you certainly 
have the better roster, have the better team, and have the better quarterback. You know, we had uh, Brian Billick on. We have him on each and every week to talk about, you know, sort of big picture topics around the NFL. And, 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 and you know, he, there was a time he was considered one of the great offensive minds in all of football uh, <laughs> as offensive coordinator with the Minnesota Vikings and went on to win a Super Bowl, of course, as head coach of the Ravens. And I had asked him about Deshaun Watson, and he had gone, what, 700 days almost since he had played in an NFL game. Uh, he did not look good last week at all uh, against Houston. They did not score an offensive touchdown, but they won the game. Um, are the Bengals expecting a, a little bit better version, a much better version, any idea at all? I mean, I know they don't have a crystal ball down there, but what to expect out mm -hmm. of Watson in this matchup? For sure. I think they're expecting 2020 Deshaun Watson. And if he doesn't show up, then you feel better. And, and that's what they should expect. They should expect to get Watson's best. And I do expect him to bounce back a bit. I mean, that was just – he was awful. Yeah. I mean, he was skipping passes like you, you skip rocks on a pond. And, and that was a real throw to you know Kareem Hunt. I know he skipped one and, and a couple of others. And, and Zach Taylor pointed this out on Wednesday, how talented this offense is. And they are. It, you know, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Best running back to as great as Mixon and Pirine are, right? As a, as a duo potentially, Chubb and Hunt are just on another level. And so you put those two guys alone around Watson. You have a guy like Amari Cooper on the outside and David Njoku at tight end. They have weapons now, and it does come down to Watson a bit. But I, I think the key: get off to a good start early and, and take away the run early. Because if you let that run game get going the short passing game get going to, to these running backs. It's just going to open things up for Watts, and it's going to give him some confidence. Shut the door on that. Say, hey, you might be great at some point for the Browns, but it won't be in week 14. I think the first quarter of this game and the first even few possessions for both uh, the Bengals' offensive defense are so huge in determining the outcome of this one. All right, last thing, a uh, ping-pong table gate down there. Um, oh, my goodness. Go ahead. <laughs> I want to hear all about it. Our fans in the chat want to hear all about it. Uh, what's the deal on that? There is no deal. Okay. And I, I hate this because it's like, oh, Battle of Ohio week. They've lost five straight and they've given up the ping pong tables. This has happened a couple of times this year. I know it can't, it happened uh, after the bye, I believe, or right before the bye. Um, when they, yeah, I think it was before the bye when they, they really needed to get a win uh, against the Panthers. And I assume the cleaning crew came through and vacuumed everywhere or something, but the tables were put up for like a day. Coaches didn't know about it. They were put up for whatever reason. But uh, I know Jermaine Pratt wanted to play a game yesterday. So I, I don't think that this is a, we really have to focus after losing five straight to the Browns. I think this is you know more of what, for whatever reason, they, they randomly got put up. And I expect them back today, certainly tomorrow, because tomorrow is a big ping pong day in the, the Bengals locker room. Who's the best ping pong player on the team? Do you know? Oh yeah, I do. Um, Trent Taylor is is not probably a surprise. The best. That dude strikes me as a kind of guy that he's probably great at everything. Yeah, I mean he he's he's really good. Usually he's at the the top of their, you know, their charts or their power rankings or whatever you want to say, depending on who you ask. Mitch Wilcox in the mix. Burrow usually third or fourth. Tyler Boyd has has certainly improved and is in that mix. Uh, the other one, Chidobe Awuzie, was certainly in the conversation before his injury. And then Jesse Bates is sneaky good. 
And he doesn't play a lot, at least in front of us. But when we've seen him, he's been really, really good. So those are the the top guys that I've seen. Well, see, I mean, where are you going to get that kind of information, fellas? I mean, where <laughs> are you going to find out who the best ping pong player is on the Bengals roster, except from James Rapine and appearing and kind enough to join us here on Off the Bench? Yeah, thanks for having me. Hopefully the the construction guy's too loud. I was hoping Never I was trying him. to mute. It. Never heard possible. him one time. Yeah. Obviously, they're not doing their job. <laughs> they're out having a schmag out front. You might want to That's get right. on Probably. about that. Oh, All man. right, James, have fun down there. Thank you so much, as always, for your time. We really appreciate it. All right, sounds good. Thanks, Tom. Right. James Rapine, kind enough to join us. All the coverage you'd ever want of the Cincinnati Bengals. You can get it with uh, James Rapine and from James Rapine, whether it be in his podcast form, whether it be in written form, whatever it might be. Um, yeah, Anonymous says, James, just throwing the cleaning crew and under the bus. <laughs> Right? That's what it sounded like. It's not wrong. Uh, we have a new member again, another new member. We're getting them by the day. It's very nice to see. I don't know Chris Beersack. You guys know him? Nope. Never I seen him on know. the show before. Said some of the very best daily sports conversations you'll find. Um, and thank you, Chris, for your kind words after that. It's nice to have you with us. Zachary's in the house, talked about Don. The real spirit cat one is back. Anonymous Paul Fainter we mentioned earlier. You know who's missing today? Uh-oh. You know who's missing today is Sir Boy Wonder. He's not here. Oh, I get worried about the old boy when he's not here. Where are you, sir? I don't know where he is. I get worried about him. Um, really worried about him. The Real Spirit Cat 1 says, for some reason, I see a ping-pong stink list coming from Casey McAllister. Ooh. Now that is a stink list. <laughs> yeah. I got to get into the Bengals locker room, judge them all, from title towns to borderline good, borderline stink. Tom, you strike stink. me as a really good ping-pong uh, We have one in our basement. I like playing a lot. I don't play enough. But when I do play, uh, not too shabby. I was going to say, you and I, we've never talked about that. But just just from getting to know you, you strike me as somebody that could could take somebody and, and really. Uh, well, I don't know about that. But but I do know I like playing. Uh, some of my favorite moments uh, as a husband and a father in my life have been when the four of us, uh, my wife, son, daughter, and I get down there and start playing. Very competitive, all four people. My wife was an All-American runner at Notre Dame. Um, all the athleticism in the family that, that, that moved on to our children um, all came from her. And so, you know, my, my, my son's a tough one, though, because, you know, he's a lacrosse goalie. And that hand-eye thing, man, I mean, when they're shooting 90 miles an hour from 15 feet, um, whew. so, you know, he's a guy that gets under my skin. I used to be able to kill him in basketball. Now can't touch him. Heartbreaking. <laughs> it's a huge day in a young man's life when you finally beat your dad in whatever sport you're competing. Yeah, but in. now he's beating me in everything. Golf? I oh, that's not, I mean, come on. I, I quit golf 20 years ago. Yeah, I mean, it, it's not even. I remember time. signing the ball and keeping it the day that I beat my dad the first time. It's a huge <laughs> moment. I, I remember writing on it. That's awesome. If I'd have my kept playing, win. I'd be that's kicking great. his tail left and right. Golf? Yeah, but I quit playing. 
What take, were you like? Takes a, too much time. Like a two handicap? No, hell no. Come on. No, never oh, that good. But like I, I mean, I can get around. I can still get around, but not, not any good. I got the yips off the tee. Oh. So I had to quit. What? The yips. I mean, I. The serious yips. Yeah. Now, if I went back and, you know, wanted to, wanted to start playing again, and I, like I said, I can get out with him. Uh, I'll hit a two iron off the tee instead of a driver because of the yips. So and were you so, just slicing uh, everything? No, I, no, I literally would hit a ground ball to shortstop every time. Oh, and oh. would right now if we we lined it up in this room. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, but yeah, he's a he, without. I mean, he's stallion in that sport. Um, okay, fellas, listen, we got a lot of time to talk today before the tracer comes up. Um, college football, pretty quiet. Bowl season starting next week. UC plays next Saturday in its bowl game against Louisville. Uh, and we're going to have three NFL games next Saturday. You know, they do this thing once you get into mid-December where they move some games to Saturday from Sunday. Uh, one of those games is going to be Miami and the Bills. That, that, that's one you're going you're to hang out and watch. Um, but Army-Navy. So one game I've always wanted to go to and I've never had a chance to do it because all those years I was doing an NFL game, 25 years uh, on a Sunday, so I could never go. Um, and, and Paul Doherty, by the way, at themorningline.substack.com uh, wrote a beautiful piece on this matchup. And, you know, oftentimes I'm guilty of saying, we're all guilty of saying, oh, this is all that's right in, in football or college football or whatever, college basketball. Um, this truly would be the definition of all that is right in college football. Um, my son was playing in a big national lacrosse tournament a year ago in Maryland, just outside of Annapolis. And so I said to him, I said, look, we have to go down there and visit uh, and look at the Naval Academy. We went down there and um, the football team was working out. And I don't know if you, you obviously, Paul, you've been to Annapolis many times, many, yeah. many times. Casey, you ever been there? No, I've not. Okay. I mean, it, it's, it, it's one of the most beautiful, interesting places that I have ever been. I'm not so sure that if somebody put a gun to my head and said you had to move somewhere tomorrow, I would give serious consideration to going Annapolis, Maryland. Um, the town, obviously it sits on the water. Uh, the way, um, it's so unique in that, you know, most times the town sits on the water. There's sort of just a circular, you know, part that goes up to the water. This runs into a V right in the middle of the town. And you've got boats there and a marina there. And then all of a sudden you walk down these, these brick streets and you cut through a couple of alleys. And then you come to the gates to walk into the Naval Academy. It's, it's surreal. I had pictured going to the Naval Academy or somewhere like that as having these big, huge gates and everything. No. I mean, it's a gate about this high. Now, I wouldn't recommend just jumping over the gate. <laughs> Probably not a good idea. No. But, you, you know, you got to go around and, 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 and they walk you through the, you know, the screening and all that kind of thing, which we did. But anyway, I got over there and as we were walking through, there were different uh, Naval cadets, men and women. And, and I would stop them and bother them and ask them, you know, about their experience and what it's like. And then the football team just happened to get finished playing, um, practicing, and they came off and 
my son and I and two of his teammates and their dads are standing there. And um, we start talking to some of these kids. Man, these guys, they know when they apply, get accepted, go to play any sport there, but in this case, football. And we're talking about Army-Navy this weekend. It's the same at West Point. No different. Um, and the Air Force Academy out in Colorado. These guys know that when they go there, that they owe the United States of America four years after they graduate. And, um, and man, they're so excited about the four years that are going to happen after their four years at the academy. So a little cool story, too, off of the Naval yeah. Academy. I, I grew up in DC, or right outside D.C. in Northern Virginia. I've been to more Navy football games than any other college football team. I love that area. I love Annapolis. Last year, last summer, summer 2021, I worked for the Bowie Bay Sox, which is the double-A team for the Baltimore yep. Orioles. So what the, what the Bay Sox do is when you go into your first year, your plebe summer, as they call it, at the Naval Academy, mm -hmm. You spend the entire summer, you're detached, you don't have your phone, you're not talking to people. It's basically a boot camp for the summer. It's the easiest way to put it. Well, the first night that you get free at the Naval Academy, the first time that you're able to go see your parents or whatever, is a night at the Bay Sox game. So they load their buses up, and every member of the plebe class from the Naval Academy comes, thousands of them, and fills up the Bay Sox stadium. Really? And they march in. They're all they they all march in. They all have their whites on. They come into the stadium, and they sit there, take up half the stadium. The class does, and uh, then after I think the national anthem is the first time that they're able to relax and go see their family. So the stadium is filled partially with the plebes, and then the other part is with the families who all want to be there and get pictures and finally see them for the first time in a while. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, my dad was was in the Navy. I, I love the Naval Academy in Annapolis. Bowie, where I worked last year, is just a few miles from Annapolis. So anytime I wanted to, to get out or do something nice, go to a nice dinner or whatever, you go over a few miles down the road and go to Annapolis. It is the best when the weather is good and you can sit at one of the restaurants outside in the marina and you can sit outside right next to the Naval Academy and just look out on the water. It's such a beautiful town. The, the football stadium is great. Yep. Um, it's so ideal. I've done the the Army Navy game before, and the, really? the, the pageantry and everything wow. about it is is amazing. Um, yeah, our Army Navy rotates obviously where they play it every year, and one of the one of the rotations of the stadiums that they play it in is M and T Bank in Baltimore. Um, so I I have a bunch of friends that went to the Naval Academy. I have a bunch of friends that went to Army West Point. So uh, it's yeah, it's it's uh, it's a fun experience because what they do outside the stadium, or at least when I went, I'm assuming it's the same everywhere, whether it's in Philadelphia or New York, wherever it is. They bring in tanks. They bring in uh, all, all the history. It's like walking through an exhibit outside the stadium. And then you get into the stadium and everybody there because it, it, it's fun listening to interviews leading up to the Army-Navy game. And you realize how much these teams truly hate each other. And everybody from the outside always says in the Army-Navy game, well... You know, they sing the national – it's cool because they sing the national anthem and at the end of the day they're all playing for the same team. Yeah. But when you really boil it down, we talk about, you know, Xavier, Cincinnati, Louisville, Kentucky, Duke, sure. UNC. Those teams truly have – as bad as this sounds, this is going to sound negative, but it's just the truth. 
They don't have anything else to play for except beating that other team. That's right. That's all they play for because right. they're not competing for national championships right. anymore. This isn't the 60s. They're not competing at the highest level. That's right. They have one game a year that matters, and it doesn't matter. They have one game a year that matters, and it's beating the other team. And I love, love, love this game. I love everything about it. It's so cool, Tom. I hope you get a chance to go someday yeah, because me too. it really is the best. Um, this uh, rivalry goes back to November the 29th, 1890. They've played it annually every, every year since 1930. And outside of, uh, you know, most frequently it's been played in Philadelphia, New York, Baltimore, yes. Uh, there have been a couple of times, only twice, where they played outside of that, you know, that, that, that corridor. northeast corridor up there, and that was when they dedicated Soldier Field. Yep. So that's where they dedicated that stadium in Chicago. They once played at the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. But it's interesting, you know, just a couple of little notes, and you can impress your friends around the water cooler with this. Navy midshipman and later Admiral Joseph Mason Reeves wore what is widely regarded as the first football helmet in the Army-Navy game of 1893. He had been advised by a Navy doctor that another kick to his head would result in intellectual disability or even death. So he commissioned an Annapolis shoemaker to make the first helmet out of leather. Really? How about that? Um, one other note about this game that the under has hit in 16 straight years. Oh, my the, God. you got to bring out the game. <laughs> well, no, We're talking because, <laughs> about e Are you kidding me? Well, That's degenerate living right no, now. It's, no, it's, it's the best bet in sports every year. So if you started with $110 in 2006 and you bet the under and rolled it over every year, you'd have $3.4 million. You have got to be kidding 16, me. Say that again. So if you started with $110 in 2006. And 2006. You, and you just bet it on the Army-Navy under. Okay. Because the triple and option. And then rolled in your wings. And, and then next the, year you took the okay. $200, okay. you know, the, what you won plus what you'd bet the year before. Right now, you would have $3.4 million That is unbelievable. I, so I, I beg your pardon. So it's more, it's more so a storyline than the gambling. But this year's total, Tom, listen to this. This year's total. Every year they make it a little lower because everybody takes the under. 32.5. Wow. 32 and a half. So if you were a betting man, now we'll go into degenerate state. If you were, would you bet the under? I mean, if it ain't broke, don't fix Amen. it. Amen. Amen to that. I, I hate it because every year I look at it and I'm like, is this the year they go over? And then last year, I think they scored, I think they scored 21 points in the first quarter last year or something like that. And I'm sitting there going, oh, well, this is the year. Nope, they didn't score the rest of the game. <laughs> um, the most famous football player to play in the Army-Navy game is a native Cincinnatian. Roger Staubach. Of course, he uh, was a quarterback for the Naval Academy. 1965, went on to the Hall of Fame in his great career with the Dallas Cowboys. Played in two Super Bowls. Uh, wins in two Super Bowls, including a, a most valuable player. And um, Alejandro Villanueva. Outstanding offensive lineman. Tackle uh, for a long, long time with the Steelers. Later the Ravens. But um, this is going to be a lot of fun to watch. I'm told uh, in the chat, Don said there is a great series on ESPN about Navy football, which is really, really cool. Uh, and everybody, of course, chiming in about Roger Staubach and, and all that kind of thing. So um, that's this weekend. And we're going to make that part of our picks tomorrow. Absolutely. But we're not doing the over-under. What is the spread in that game? 
Two and a half. Navy. Uh, Favorite. I just I just X'd it out. I'm, Navy's not very good this year. Uh, it is Navy, though. Yeah. Yep, minus two and a half. Uh, other breaking news. Yep. Uh, Desmond Ritter just got named starting quarterback of the Atlantic, Atlanta Falcons. You knew that was coming sooner yep. or later. I'm surprised it took this long, quite frankly. But for a while there, uh, you know, they were right in the hunt in a very bad division. Uh, Tampa Bay had to win on, on a, you know, wing and a prayer the other night to go to six and six, and they're the division leaders. Uh, it's been Mariota starting the whole year, and now Desmond Ritter. This is very exciting. Yeah. Very exciting. A lot of people wanted this to happen in Atlanta who follow the team. We had big, low country early in the year, and he was talking about uh, Desmond Ritter. Yeah, maybe we could get him back guy. on. I'm sure Love he's fired that guy. I, I, he, he did something I saw on Twitter. Did you see the thing he posted on Twitter yesterday? <laughs> he was doing some dance. And big, low country's a big dude. I mean, he's a big man. He's got to be going about – he said he played college football, he, he, lineman. He's got to be tipping him 270, 280, maybe more. Big, <laughs> low country, another great nickname. Um, so, he had a great video. It, it, it just him dancing. It was, it was really, really cool. All right, we're going to take a break. We're going to talk more about the Bengals. Uh, coming up later, we have Tracy Jones at 1130. This is Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers, and we appreciate you being with us today. Back in a minute. Paul, I got to ask you, uh, you know, we have the Taylor Swift gate. And, yeah. and, and that continues to make huge news now, by the way. I don't know if you saw, it's a big story now in Congress where they're wondering this whole ticket fiasco. She was upset about it. Um, anyway, well documented, you dropping the ball and basically finding other things like Xavier basketball or watching some game from Hawaii at 7.30 in the morning where you just, you know, had a chance to get on the ticket thing and get in and take your bro or girlfriend, excuse me, to the show and screwed it all up and you've since made amends. But um, what was her reaction to that last Tracy Jones suggestion, if any? about going to the Taylor Swift concert and getting other phone numbers. Yeah, I mean, she wasn't a huge fan. <laughs> I couldn't imagine. Yeah, I mean, she wasn't, she wasn't like a huge fan of it. I'll just say it. She wasn't a huge fan. Had to, had, to explain the, had to explain the joke to her a little bit. Does she watch this show or she's too busy working at school? Uh, so, yeah, as I always say, she's teaching the youth of America right now. But if there's something on the show that, like, we talk about that I, I'll send her – you know, segments and stuff that we go back and okay. do to watch. All right. Now, she, she does catch up on now, it. Paul, Casey, you seem a little off today. <laughs> I uh, mean, I, I'm I just... I mean, you, you really seem off. It's coming up in the chat. Everybody's wondering, is there trouble at home? Is there something wrong with the new house? Uh, is your bride-to-be having second thoughts? No. Uh, you know, I mean, are you all right? Yeah, I'm good. I just... It's the it's the new audio board. I'm just trying to get we adjusted. You can't even see the audio board, Casey. Move it over. Oh, here. Oh, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> Whoa, there. Doing here? Whoa. Don't put your hands on stuff you don't know what you're doing. Uh, you know, right, it's like touching a power drill. Yeah, look at this new audio board we got. That's pretty big. Lift. It's big. It's a, it's a beast. And it's just been uh, different because now everything seems so sensitive. I don't know if anyone at, in the chat can tell that our mics sound a bit different or... If there's even a difference at all, I don't know if uh, anyone can let us know. Don says it's a, it, it's a big difference. And, and, and Don and everybody else, bear with us. 
Um, you know, we're, we're, Casey's over there learning it. He has no time to talk to any of us. Um, what were you going to ask me, Casey? I mean, I was just going to say on the Tracy topic. Oh, yeah. I don't think he was joking. I think he wants you to actually go get those numbers. Is he ever it's joking? It's for your safety. It's for your safety. You know? He's just looking out for me. That's looking all he ever is, you. is looking out for you and for me. He texted me the other day after the show, and he said um, something to the extent of, I can't believe the number of topics we cover in such a short amount of time. <laughs> yeah, we, there's no stone left unturned. Absolutely not. And he's got something but, special But what for are we going to talk? I want to hear some guys in the chat today, if you don't mind. And, 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 and I mean, the numbers just continue to uh, grow and grow every single day. And even on Twitter and, and on now Facebook, uh, where we're streaming live. Um, wh what are we going to talk to Tracy about today? You know, there's been a lot more baseball signings. What, the, the one thing I do want to ask him a little bit about uh, are the comments made by Nick Crawl yesterday, the Reds general manager from the baseball winter meetings in San Diego, basically saying in a nutshell to free agents out there, you know, not, not the guys everybody's going after, not, not the Bogarts and, and, and not the Trey Turners and not the even Josh Bells of the world, but he's basically laying out there and saying that, look, if you're a player who's looking to get your career back on track, the Reds play in a hitter-friendly ballpark, why not sign here for a year? And once you have a great year, you're out on the free agent market next year. And I'm curious if that would ring true for a guy and what their thoughts would be about that uh, from Tracy because he was a player, played for five different teams, had a choice sometimes to go places, other times he got traded. But what else do we want to ask the Tracer about today? You know, I actually have something. And it's something we should have asked him Tuesday. Uh -oh. Because he's, he's telling us he's a big Kansas City fan. And they Ooh, just lost to the Bengals. You're right. Jason. And we, we didn't get his reaction at all. We didn't. He I don't said even, he was going to the game. Well, no, he was no, no, in no, no, California. No, then he changed his mind. He was going out of town. He forgot. Well, it. Right, he needed right. a break. He needed a break. Yeah. But did he watch the game? How did he feel about the game? Does he still love Cincinnati? Because he said he loved the people of Cincinnati. Yes, he does. Last show. And so Northern Kentucky. I, I'm hoping I don't bring up hard feelings because I know he was a big Chiefs fan. Well, he says he's a big Chiefs fan. He's also a really big Tom Brady fan. So I don't know how those two coexist. So I want to know what he true. What is, what is his true NFL fandom? Is it Kansas City or is it Tom Brady? Well, I, th or is I, it think, I think it's easy to like um, – Multiple? Tom Brady, and then whatever team it is you root for. I mean, look, you know, Brady, I mean, I'm not the first guy, obviously, that's ever said. I mean, he is the greatest quarterback, and you can make an argument. I would say Jerry Rice, but you can make an argument is the greatest player in the history of football, pro, college, all of it. And what he's done and his level of excellence, his level of commitment, there's a lot to admire. Nobody's perfect. We know that. People make mistakes. Things happen in their lives. They go through tough times um, on the field, off the field, whatever it might be. But Brady is the gold standard in every way imaginable. His teammates love him. They see what a grinder he is. They see the level of commitment he makes. Uh, a lot of people, you know, they walk around bad-mouthing the whole TB12 and the diet and the sleep and all that kind of... Hey, look, 
you can't argue with what the guy's done, right? I mean, if he wants to go to bed every night at 8.30 and get up at 4 o'clock in the morning and start working out every day, rarely ever has a cold beer, you know, the foods that he eats, all the other kind of stuff, I mean, I'm not doing that. I'm going to have multiple beers later tonight with about seven or eight of my homeboys. <laughs> but I'm not Tom Brenneman. We only share the same initials. I'm not Tom Brady. We only share the same initials. What was your number when you played sports? What, what, what was the number that you chose? Well, depending on the sport. Basketball, 31. My favorite all, well, one of my all-time favorite players in basketball was a great player at North Carolina, played in the NBA a long time, a guy named Mike O'Corin. You wouldn't remember that name, but he was a great player at North Carolina. Um, yeah, so anyway, uh, let's see. What, what are some of the um, – let's see. Alex says he'd like to hear some stories from Tracy about old Reds rumors. I'm not getting into rumors. I get <laughs> into rumors. stories. Can the players be locked out until Major League Baseball can fix the salary discrepancies in the game? They just signed a brand-new long-term collective bargaining agreement. So the answer is no. Um, the Real Spirit Cat 1 says, if that's the best pitch the Reds have to free agents, we're screwed. Listen, it's the only pitch you have to free agents. Right? Yeah. They're yeah. not going to spend any money. They being the Reds, they're not alone. They're not going to spend any money. They're trying to rebuild this thing around the young pitching staff. I would imagine when those guys, you know, get another full season under their belt, the Hunter Greens, the Lodolos, the Ashcrafts, so on and so forth, these young minor league players are coming up. That would be the time to go out and, and now pluck free agent here, pluck free agent there, offensive player, maybe bullpen guy. Uh, when you're ready to compete. There's no sense in spending a bunch of money right now if you made the decision that this is the direction we're going to go in, whether you or I agree with it, is irrelevant. But that's the only pitch you have. If you're a guy, and I use Tommy Pham as an example, whether you like Pham or didn't like him, the guy has had a really good major league career. The Reds went out and signed him to come here to get his career back on track, right? Now, he wasn't great, but he wasn't bad. And so, you know, they eventually trade him... Um, at the trade deadline, but, 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 but for right now, that is the only pitch. You say to a guy, maybe you were hurt last year, maybe you had a bad year last year, come here, take your chances playing for this team in this ballpark, start putting up some good numbers, and one of two things can happen. Number one, the Reds can use that player as a chip at the trade deadline. Right? You might actually get something decent in return from something you really didn't pay a lot to get to begin with. And number two, the guy has a good year, and good for him. God bless him. He goes off and signs a big free agent deal somebody else at the end of the year because you're not going to resign. I, I, Crickets over there. I have, a, I have a question, actually. And I don't, I'm not sure if this is me just being naive, but what if the Reds were just honest and said... You know, free agency this year, we are just going to save money for the next year or whatever. And just flat out said it. And they just told the fans, this is going to be a, a rebuild year. We're not going to spend a bunch of money so we can save up payroll. 
I think. They didn't go after some guys next year or whatever the, the case may be. Because that's what the plan is, right? They're right. just doing this because they want fans to get into the stadium. They just pick out some random guy, right? So, I mean, I'd, why not just be honest? Save up all your money instead. Haven't they kind of basically said that? They already? basically, yeah. yeah. I, mean, I mean, that your case of your spot, that's basically what they've said. Already said it. Did they say it like verbally though? Yeah, like I mean, they, they Nick, came out Nick, and said, Nick has come out and, and look, I, you know, um, Nick crawls in a tough spot here because I've said it many, many times before. Um, I think Nick crawl is going to be an outstanding general manager, but let's be honest about it, right? It's no different than being a manager. I mean, look at Joe Torrey. When Joe Torrey managed uh, for the Atlanta Braves and the St. Louis Cardinals, he had no players. Players win games. Managers can create a culture and all that kind of thing, and I think they're more important in baseball than some other people might think, especially the analytics crowd. But look, if you don't have players, and then Joe Torre goes to the New York Yankees, he's in the Baseball Hall of Fame as a manager. Yeah, Derek Jeter, right? Mariano Rivera, Andy Pettit, Roger Clemens, blah, blah, blah. Right on down the line. Bernie Williams. So, it's the same thing for a general manager. Nick Kroll can only do, <clears throat> excuse me, so much. If, if your hands are tied in terms of payroll, what's he going to do? What's he going to do? Part of his job is to oversee scouting, player development, drafting. Those are all on him. All on him. And I think the biggest factor the Reds have been in that's caused their biggest problems is lack of player development. I think there are so many other franchises that are just doing it better. Now, is that changing under Nick Crawl's leadership? I have no idea. I'm not around the team anymore. I'm not around the franchise anymore. They gave me the boot. So, but I still believe Nick Crawl, if given a legitimate chance, is going to be an excellent general manager. I think that's the thing. You hit the nail on the head. If he's given, an, given a genuine, real chance. But all we keep doing is talking ourselves in circles. Yeah, that's right. All we keep doing is saying the same thing over and over and over. And I think Trace and Nick Kirby had a good point last week when, when Nick was up here and he was talking about it and, and trying to generate some positivity for this team because eventually you'd like to think that things are going to turn around. But all we keep doing is saying the same thing over and over. And there's just no light at the end of the tunnel right now. And that's the thing. Like – I remember in 2008, 2009, being a Nationals fan, Reed would say the same thing about being a Cubs fan. I remember back in 2008, 2009, and I sat there, I watched the Nats, I watched almost every game, but I would also turn on the San Diego State games when Steven Strasburg was pitching. I'd read the articles about Bryce Harper and junior college, and I knew that those two guys were going to be a part of my team down the line. What did they do? Drafted Steven Strasburg first overall, drafted Bryce Harper first overall. Harper didn't stay long enough to win a title, but Strasburg was the World Series MVP. You knew there was a plan there. Mike Rizzo had a plan the yep. entire time. That's, I use the Nationals as an example. The Cubs were the same way. I remember reading those stories, the great stories after the Cubs won the World Series about, you know, how they would sit up in the suite 
during a game at Wrigley Field, and they'd sit there that the front office would. Theo Epstein. Theo and, and those Hoyer. guys. Theo, Theo would sit up there up in the front office, and he would be watching the Cubs game. But he'd have all the minor league games on, and he just kept saying, it's all right, it's coming. The future's here, it's coming. Well, but, but, but here's the thing, though. Okay, here's the difference. Go ahead and finish. I'll let you finish. No, no, no. no. And, and, and all I was going to say to finish is we keep being sold on all these minor leaguers, you know, Hunter Green, Nick Senzel, Ellie De La Cruz down the line. Eventually, these guys are going to have to pan out. And I'm not saying Hunter Green is bad, but Nick Senzel hasn't been great. And Boy, that's an understatement. I'm, I'm just saying we were sold on Nick Senzel for so long. And now it's just like... Uh, well, but, but, but here's the deal, okay? In fairness to Senzel, and, and, and look, I, I, you know, the guy's been hurt a lot. So, you know, guys hurt, guys hurt. But, but here's the difference, though. And, 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 I, you know, when you talk about the Nationals and a rebuild, okay? Strasburg, Bryce Harper, among other. Anthony Rendon was a huge part yes. of that whole thing, right? Okay. Trey Turner was a huge part of that. Massive okay. part so, of that. Okay, yeah. so here's what I'm saying. Those guys come through the system. But when the time came where all those guys were ready to really compete, to win, they bring in Max Scherzer. Big money, right? They bring in Jason Wirth who was a very good player before he got to Washington with a do- underrated player, right? Yeah. Jason Worth signing that deal, that was when the Nationals franchise Okay, but around. what I'm making yeah. is they went out and they spent the money on some established players, Hall of Famer, in Max Scherzer's case. But there were other guys they brought onto that team that – combined with the players in their system, built a World Series championship team. The same thing is with the Cubs. I remember going in there when they lost 100-whatever-it-was games, and they got Rizzo, and they got Baez, and they got Bryant, and they got Soler, and they got all these guys running around, right? What did they do? They knew these guys were ready to compete. They thought this was the core of a championship team. So we're going to make a trade for Jake Arrieta. We're going to go get John Lester. We're going to go start spending some money to plug. We're going to go get Ben Zobrist. We're going to go get all these different guys, right, to start Dexter Fowler, start filling in these holes, Jason Hayward, all these guys, to start filling in these holes and spending the big money because now we're ready to win. So for the Reds, if, and it's a big if, and you, you know, cross your fingers, say your prayers, knock on wood, whatever it is you want to do. If these pitchers are indeed ready for prime time in another year or two from now, and I'm not talking about guys that are just okay. I'm talking about guys where you look at and say, every day we go play one through four, one through five in our rotation, we got a legitimate chance to win the game. In fact, a better than legitimate chance to win the game. And maybe two or three of your prospects hit. I'm not all in on India yet. Tyler Stevenson can't get on the field. So I'm not ready to say both just because the guy won the rookie of the year. He came back and hit 240 this year. Was hurt a lot. Stevenson has had major injury issues. 
And I root for the kid. He's a nice kid. He's a smart kid. He's a good kid. But, you know, when the time comes, if some of these prospects now over the next year or two, won't be this year for many of them because most of them are at the lower levels of the minor leagues, then we'll find out if the Reds are in it to win it because are then they going to go out and start spending some cash to win some games. That makes sense? Yeah. Yep. I have another weird thought. I want to know what your guys' take on this because I've been a football fan my, most of my life. Bengals struggled um, most of my lifetime. They get a, a quarterback in Joe Burrow after being really miserable. And I know we've had this conversation before about how the NFL's way of doing things in the, in free agency and the draft and how it works, that when you're bad, you get better players and you end up being better most of the time. But in baseball, there's not like – you don't just draft someone or get one player and it changes the whole franchise. Well, there have been – there have been. Uh, Bryce Harper, I think, yeah. changed the whole – but they're very far. Ken Griffey Jr. in Seattle. Yeah, you're right. You're right. I get you're your right. point, though. Yeah. yeah. But, like, in football, like, there's Justin Herbert that went to the Chargers. Changes their team completely. Like, it, happen, it happens way more often in the NFL. It's a shame that the Reds, who have been in positions to have guys in the top ten in the draft or whoever in free agency, and they just don't pan out at all. No. Like, it, that's – that's hard. I mean, they went through a decade of drafting guys in the first round, and not every one of them were top five, top ten picks, but a lot of them were. Where, I mean, they never sniffed the major leagues. And if they did, it was as a fourth, fifth outfielder, Philip Irvin, guy like him. I really liked that kid. But, I mean, he, he was what he was by the time he got here. And so my question is, is baseball harder to scout talent than it is in other sports. What what is the why is it so hard to develop these players? Cuz other teams seem to well, do very well at it, like you've said before, like some of the bigger market teams. Is it just that we don't have the right guys in there or is it just that hard? Is it a development thing or is it an evaluation? Well, thing? I think it's both. I, I think it's clearly both. Um, you know, the, the the Reds had a run there, Ty Howington, the, the the kid out of Virginia, the big left-hander, I'm drawing a blank on his name. They were number 1 pick. You know, you start drafting guys. And, and look, Senzel it, it w would fit this same category where you draft him at a position, okay? And they've asked Senzel now to change positions three or four times while the guy's just trying to get his feet on the ground to establish himself as a player. I'm not making excuses for Senzel, but that's a fact. Jonathan India, they've done the same thing, okay? He came out of Florida as a third baseman. They've moved him to second base, and at least statistically, he's one of the worst defensive second basemen in baseball. Are you surprised? Seriously, you surprised that the guy all of a sudden is struggling in a new position? Now, maybe he'll get better, and I hear he's a hard worker. I hear he cares. But look, the difference between football and baseball is night and day because of the level at which you play before you step into the quote-unquote big leagues, okay? You can play in the SEC or the ACC in baseball and be a big star and be the player of the year. The second you get drafted, 
your ass is sent down to single A and double A, okay? You're not walking into the big leagues more times than not unless you're Mike Leake. You're not ready for the big leagues. There have been 17 guys in the history of the game that walked out of being drafted that went straight into the major leagues. Whereas there's tons of football players. Well, every NFL, football, right? every football player. Every player. single one of them. Doesn't matter if you're a fifth-round offensive line pick out of Western Michigan. Your next job is playing in the National Football League. And so, you know, a lot of times, especially when you're drafting, I mean, can you imagine what football would be like if you were drafting high school players? <laughs> yeah. Right? Oh, You'd be in the be same terrible. boat. You'd be in the same boat. NBA should be able to draft high school players, but that's a different conversation. I don't need to get on my soapbox about that one. Uh, yeah, it's just it's disappointing. It's. I mean, and, look, and it, Reed Mouse points out a great, great point here. Look at the Angels of Anaheim, Los Angeles, whatever they're called, California, Anaheim, L.A., L.A. of Anaheim. They have two players on that team that could go down as two of the top ten players of all time. If Otani keeps going the way he's going, right? We know all about Mike Trout. Yeah. And they stink. Well, that's that's that classic tweet where it's Tungsten Armo Doyle or whatever it is. You ever seen that tweet? No. Oh, it's one of the greatest tweets. Uh yeah, hold on. I'll find it. Since I don't I don't want to mess it up. It's one of the best tweets on baseball Twitter. Here, I'll pull it up. Seth Pryor just said the blueprint for the Reds' future was announced at Reds Fest last weekend. Nick Crawl and management said, quote, we are building from within our farm system and with our current young, talented players, which they allegedly have. But I never buy the, the, the minor league thing. I just don't buy it. And there are people who make an honest living, and God bless them, following minor league baseball uh, and, and what guys are going to project and all this kind of stuff. They have no more idea than the man on the moon. No clue. Baseball is littered with high expectation minor league players that just simply don't do it in the big leagues. All right, Casey. You have when they get to the big leagues, let's talk about them. I'm not spending all summer on this show talking about De La Cruz. It ain't happening. Well, what else are we going to talk about? That's a very good question. Where else are we going to go? show might go off the air. <laughs> yeah, so this is one of the best best tweets on baseball Twitter, and people that are on Twitter probably know what I'm talking about here. Uh, so, so bring this up. This is – I don't know who this is that tweeted this, but it is the best. It's just the best. Every time I see an Angels highlight, it's like Mike Trout hit three home runs and raised his average to 528 while Shohei Otani did something that hasn't been done since Tungsten Armo Doyle of the 1921 <laughs> Akron Groomsman as the Tigers defeated the <laughs> Angels 8-3. to three. Yeah. yeah, That's it. I like that next tweet on there. Gene Mock's ghost. <laughs> yeah, that's a great tweet, and it's the truth. It's the truth. And that's where, you know... The Angels, by the way, are now up for sale. Rob Manford addressed this the other day. Artie Moreno, who I know quite well. He was one of the original investors with the Arizona Diamondbacks uh, and tried to buy the Diamondbacks outright. He was part of the original group. He's an amazing story. I mean, he's been killed out there in L.A. for his ownership of the team and the things he's done and all that kind of stuff. But this guy, you talk about a self-made man. This guy came from nothing. And became the you know the billboard queen uh, king uh, all over America, uh, and and 
He's getting out. He's done with all of it. And Lord knows how much he's going to make from a sale of that team. I mean, that's got to be three, four billion dollars. I heard Bill Cunningham say yesterday on the radio driving out of here after we were done that somebody recently put the value of the Reds at $2 billion. I don't believe that for a second. Not Chat- for a second. Chatterbox it? Sports, we're buying it. What's that? We're buying the Reds. Are we? Chatterbox? Yeah. Yeah. We're going in on it together. Who's the GM? You? Uh, Reed. Huh? Reed. 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 Sir Boy Wonders, the field manager. Really? Yeah. I think we could build out a nice little front office. You, th- you do? Yeah. Okay, what would uh, what would Casey's job be? Uh, he's the the video board producer. Very nice. Uh, you took the words right out of my mouth. The in yeah. game entertainment. That's and Lord knows uh, that is a big time job. Yeah, there are some people that do it right, and there are other people that it's brutal. Nowhere's better than Milwaukee. The best. I've never been there. Best music. They got it all. The best. Casey's the ball boy. You know, funny story about the ball boy. Who just said that? <laughs> Who said uh, that? Nate, that is that is that is just wrong. Bat boy Everett. and ball boy. Everett, that's wrong. I'll have to bring up the Nathan clip. said Casey bat boy. That's wrong. Casey would be the mascot according to Anonymous. <laughs> would he well, be? There's, ga- there's a couple of different. Yeah. Would he be Gapper? Would he be Mr. Red? You know, funny funny story though, Tom, about the ball boy and the bat boy. I don't know if I've told you this. I was the ball boy at your dad's last game. Were you really? Yeah. So one of the guys, one of the people that like assigns the ball boys had a connection to Xavier and they were scrambling trying to find somebody. And I was like, I mean, if you need somebody, I'll, I'll go down and watch sure. the game for free. So so you uh, were sitting down the line down there on one of those little schools. I have the highlights. I made a couple plays. Come <laughs> on. I do. I do. I have All it. Right, we got to see that. I, I have it. I'll bring it up. You know what? Save that. Bring it up. Save that for the tracer. All right. Yeah. All right. But I want to walk through just very quickly. So you're saying ultimately Casey is a guy who's in-game entertainment producer, lead man on the whole thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Reed Mouse is our general manager. Yeah. Right? Yep. Sir Boy Wonder is a field manager. He's the field manager. He's a field manager. What about the dunce? Uh... Bat Boy? He interviews all the front office <laughs> personnel after every game. Yes. Yeah, he's uh Yeah. Before he's, every he's game. the field reporter. Okay. All right. And what about Trace? I mean, Trace is a big boss. You better be careful here. He's playing. Is well, he's, he president? He's the owner. Yeah. President of the team. Pre- pre- president. 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 Yeah. Okay. No, I think you ought to be the president. Trace is the owner. Okay. That's okay. fine. Sean Spurlock will be our uh head of player development. Yeah, he would love that title. Yeah, he would. He would do. He would do great in that job. He's trying to develop some talent around here, and it's not going too good. So I don't. <laughs> I don't know what his. Uh, uh, our manager was handed the keys to a Pinto, says Don, and told to make it run like a Ferrari. What's wrong with a Pinto? I had a lot of great days growing up in a uh, Pinto. Um. <laughs> Brandon Seho, it says here from Everett, would be the beer tester. That's a good job. So the chef. I might want that job. Okay. What Did your dad retire in 18 or 19? Uh, 19. Marty party. That's right. It's all about Marty. I was, I was standing next to you. You didn't even know it. Didn't even know On it. On the field after the game. After the game, that was so much fun. It was a cool moment. 
Um, all right, boys, before we get to Tracy here in about seven minutes, and we have a lot of time tomorrow to get into this. But, um, you know, you heard James Rapine say a little while ago, just another divisional game for the Bengalis. Yeah. I have a hard time believing that. Really? I do. I have a hard time believing it. There's no way that somebody can make the statement, and James didn't make it, but he basically dispelled it. There's no way until you exercise that demon. There's no way that the overwhelming majority of players that you have playing in this game on Sunday have been with this team the last two or three years and have had their brains kicked in by the Cleveland Browns. There's no way you can make me believe that there is not something there for the Browns living in their heads. I'm not buying it. The Bengals have had better teams. They haven't won. They're better this year. They've lost already once and got drilled once. They didn't get beat. That's the worst beatdown they've taken this The only beatdown they've taken this year. Yeah, I mean, if you if you really want to get into it, there, there's an argument to be made that the Bengals could very easily be 11-1 and one this year. No, no doubt about it. You could make a very easy argument. Yeah. Now, it's the, it's the NFL. Weird things happen. Obviously, your long snapper gets hurt. Dallas... Whatever, but you could, I, you and I could sit down and have a very easy argument that the Bengals could be eleven and one. But that one loss, woof. Yeah, you can't, you can't. They're not undefeated. That one back. They weren't even on the freeway. Yeah, you can't say they were twelve and zero. No. Well, you know, things would have gone right in Cleveland. No. 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 But Casey, you just keep shaking your head over there. Just keep shaking your head. You know the Browns stink, so. That's all I got to say. And they are – I can tell that it is just a divisional game, but a divisional game is taken pretty seriously in Cincinnati. So, I don't think the statement's wrong. I just don't think that they're going to panic about it. They're not like this is a – obviously, all divisional games are must-wins. Obviously. So, there's not like a level of urgency that wasn't already going to be there. Does that make any sense? It makes perfect sense. So to me, to me, what he said wasn't too far-fetched, but I do think Joe Burrow is looking forward to getting the monkey off his back. You can't be a true leader of men if you've never beaten the Cleveland Browns. And I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, there are leaders of men. And then there are borderline. <laughs> I like it. Ready to grab the mantle. Right? Now, if he wins, if he beats the Browns, does he get the title? He gets the full-blown-out version that I gave Sonny Dykes two days ago. That we've given Urban. Right? Yep. And, and some others. But uh, till, you, till you beat the Cleveland Browns, the Cleveland Browns, okay? Here he is. All right, here we go. Um, we do have the video loaded up wherever, whenever you want to get to it. All right, the best 30 minutes of television twice a week uh, is the Tracer, who is back in his uh, palatial estate 
along the banks of the mighty Ohio on the northern Kentucky side, I might add, not on the Cincinnati OHIO side. Tracer, how was the journey back, the first-class flight, the red-eye flight? I've been on that flight. I mean, I don't know how many dozens and dozens of times flying back from football and baseball games. That's a brutal flight. It's tough. It it really is. Uh, Can can you play that video, please, for me? It's kind of self-explanatory. I don't need to set it up. Casey, you have that video. This will talk about the uh, first class, sitting in first class. Go ahead. Yes, I do have it. Oh, wow. I didn't know we had video. Yeah, I actually took a video. Okay. Yeah. Is that incredible? So that's Is that incredible? That's what, see, Casey, I did this for Casey and Polly and all you ham and eggers who watch this podcast. You can live vicariously through me, through my life experience. That's what it looks like, my visual, when you fly first class. And I just, I know you guys will never get a chance to do that. Tom, you, of course, have. But Polly, that was for you. Casey, and all you ham and eggers. That's what it's like to fly first class. Did you see the blue lights? How cool was that? You couldn't hear the music, special music. Did you see that big screen TV I had? <laughs> that was HD. Now listen, why do you laugh, Tom? You could get Netflix, Hulu, uh, adult films. You can get everything on that TV. It's really quite incredible sitting in first class. It's a great experience, and I'm just trying to help you people out. You know, uh Watching that video, a couple of people walked by with masks on, right? Yes. Uh, Are you one of those guys who sits in first class? And and look, I'll, you know, be transparent here. I would would sort of, you know, um, wrestle with this from time to time where you get to feeling maybe a little bit guilty, uh, you know, being up there where everybody else is, you know, sludging their way uh, to the back of the plane. Do you kind of keep your head down as everybody's walking by, or are you looking up saying hello to people? Everybody recognizes oh. you by and large. I mean, what, how do you handle that? No, absolutely. Here it is. It's not upon me to look away. It's you people. Don't look me in the eye. Just keep walking back of the plane. Did you see the one guy with the mask? Yes. Obviously a Democrat, a liberal. He wore that mask. He And I want to shame that guy. He went and used our bathroom, first-class bathroom. Can you believe that? You're not supposed to do that. You can't use our bathroom. Tracy, you got to go. You got to go. Sometimes there's a line, and I'm finding this out the way I fly now. Because there was a time I was in first class a lot, all the time, but not anymore. Yes. I'm back there with the rest of the schmoes, ham and eggers, so I'm now officially (laughs) a ham and egger. Um, Look, sometimes you got to go. You got to go. You get to be a cat our age. That guy looked like he was roughly our age. You know how it goes when it comes upon you. It's right now, man. And you can't be waiting in line seven or eight deep, right? I mean, so what's wrong with the dude using your bathroom? Then pay for first class. I don't want you coming through. Listen, first of all, he bumped it. Here's what happened. Here's why I'm upset. Once that curtain closed, you guys are out. Nothing. You don't come through that curtain, right? It's done. You know, a lot of things go down when you're in 
uh, first class behind that curtain. Let me tell you what happened. So I'm sitting there. It's time for my meal, right? So I don't know if you've and ever And that's a big league this. meal, right? Big league it's meal. It's a big person comes in, the chef, not the stewardess, the chef actually comes in and fixed my Caesar salad right at my seat. You know, cracked the egg, the anchovies, chopped a little Caesar. He says, Mr. Joe, do you want chicken in that Caesar? And here comes the guy with the mask. Boom, hit my guy making my Caesar salad. Stay, know your role. And it's in the back of the plane. Well, that Caesar salad was tasty. Who eats a Caesar salad on a red eye? People in first class. Okay. Uh, I want to get some video here, Tracer, and get your reaction. Uh, we learned before you came on for the first time today that my dad's last game as uh, the play-by-play -play radio voice of the Cincinnati Reds, that was a day game, that Paul Fritchner, believe it or not, was a ball boy for that game. Apparently, you know, oh. powers that be are scrambling around, uh, trying to yeah. get somebody from Xavier. Paul Wright, fill yeah. in the blank for the Tracer here. Yeah, basically, Tracy, I was kind of on a fill-in list for about a year. I think I did like three or four games, and they called me a couple of days before the game, and they said, hey, our, I don't know if the guy backed out, whatever it was, that they needed somebody down the left field line. And I realized it was Marty's last game. They were doing the party <laughs> afterwards, and I was like, hey, well, I was probably going to go to the game anyway, so might as well be mm -hmm. on the field. Might as well be an active participant in the game. So here we go. I have the video from it. I made two plays okay, in the let's, game. Let's see it. Here's the form. All right. So he's obviously Look up at the this. third baseline. Boom. Look at that. Backhand. Boy, that's nice. Backhand play. Wait, now wait. Backhand. Very nice. There's your dad. Okay. Now here we go. Play number two. Look at this. Just another one right off the wall. Read it. Right to me. Look at that form. Right to the fan. Okay. Can I... Can now, I yeah, tell hey, you look, something? Hey, two for two, two ground balls, fielded cleanly, made the flip to the kid in the stands. Pretty good. And that, and that's the problem. Okay, can you imagine Polly flipping the ball to the stands when Marge Shot was the owner? You know that was a no-no. You agree with that, Tom? You could not. The ball boy would be fired. True story, and it happened when I played. You could not take that ball and throw it in the stands. Okay, but what she would not allow about? that. Look, look, the point of this video <laughs> was to get your take on his, his athleticism there. I thought he looked very impressive. He had good footwork. Yeah. He, he, he had quick reaction time. Ball comes off the wall. Could have gone to the, the, the glove side. Backhand, bam. I mean, just. I ah. thought the backhand. No, I'm going to give him credit. I thought the backhand was pretty good. But when you feel the ground ball right at you, Paul, you start with your glove down, okay? It's down, up. It's easier to come up. Barry Larkin will tell you that. It's not up, down. And so you had to make that last little stri uh, strike at the ball. Start with your glove down on the ground, okay? And then your feet were a little too far apart. So, okay. But all in all, it was, it was probably a C. If I had to grade those two plays, I would get C plus, which is good. Well, I mean, it, you, I mean, that, that's a tough grade. I mean, Polly, when I, you I played. Say, when, I thought he was in the B range, if not the low A range. I thought it was pretty okay. impressive. Yeah. When he played ball, were you an infielder or an outfielder? Uh, I pitched a lot. Okay. Yeah. When I didn't pitch, I played first because I was tall enough that uh, I could stretch out. God, how much you weigh there? Oh, you yeah. You're a tall, yeah. a tall dude now. I'm, I'm tall, Tracy, but I weigh about 
175 pounds. See, Tracy wouldn't know because Tracy is always on the show from a six-star resort in Mexico or a beach house in Florida or Southern California at his brother's house or his estate in Northern Kentucky. He really doesn't know anything about any of us and what we look like. Or do like I care? Build. <laughs> well, sure Go ahead. Care. Sorry for interrupting. Well, Tracy, I just so- want to say, I, Casey and I were talking about it the <coughs> other day, and, and Tom and we were all going back and forth, and I, you had mentioned going back out of town, and, and Tom was asking where you were going. I said, well, I, you know, Tom, it doesn't really matter. I'm just glad that after all the hard work you put in this week, because I know, obviously, for you, it's been a, a tough week, a long, hard week of work, that you're able to yeah. just get back out of town. I, I appreciate that. Good for you. Well, well here, here, here's the point of this. And I hate to make this segment about me. It's, it's always about me. And I'm sure the viewers get really tired of it. No, they I'm love it. We going, get all kinds of comments. They uh, love it. Yeah, I bet you get all kinds of comments. Um, I'm going out to Los Angeles tomorrow. But this is business, not pleasure. Wait a minute. So wait, 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 wait. You were just in, you were in Orange County, right? Uh, I was in Long Beach. Long, okay, all right. Yeah, same, um, same area. Yeah, same area. Okay, you were down in Long Beach um, Tuesday. You fly back yes. on a red-eye Tuesday. You're here yesterday getting your, your feet back underneath you, and tomorrow you're going back to Southern California. Why in yeah, the world it, didn't you just stay there? Well... Uh, because we had a plane fly, I had to had to hit. I didn't want to pay for the change of flight. I don't know if you guys have read about this, but um, it's actually a business trying to. I'm going to collect some money. Uh, Gavin Newsom, the governor oh, of California, has proposed a 223,000 for each black California for reparations. Yes, I've talked about it before. I'm three percent black. Remember, my great 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 grandma was black. So I'm figuring how much am I entitled to? And I did a quick calculation. I get $6,690 in reparations because I am from California, 3% black. So I get a cut of that. And I've already rolled that in to a six-star resort in Bora Bora. So that's in three months. Do you guys have any comments on that? Any advice? Hey, look, you want to touch that? Look, you know what? You know what? Just you going to Bora Bora. Now, there is a place (coughs) where I would like you to join the show from. I I, I shared with you that my wife and I, Polly and I, went there on our honeymoon. We actually brought a dog back from Bora Bora. Uh, We've talked about that before. So are you taking Danae with you to uh, Bora Bora or no, just you? Going to hang out. Um, I think I'm just going to go by myself. Of course, I'm going to a clothing optional resort. I'm always uh, like to walk walk the beach. Uh, So I don't think I'll bring Danae. I think she's had enough vacation time. You know, it's tough when you're paying the whole bill. She's kind of a bit of a freeloader, if you know what I mean. But you said that she has more money than you do. Yeah, but she's tight like me. She don't like to spend it. Remember, she has that saying, you know, what's hers is hers. What's mine is hers. That's her philosophy, which I told you she was smart, Tom. Listen, I, you know, um, fellas, is there anything else? Casey, would you like to say hello to Tracy? Is there anything you'd like to get into with him at all? Yeah, Tracy. Hello. Uh, how you doing? How you doing? Uh, doing good. I remembered, and I should have remembered Tuesday to ask you this, because you talked about being a Kansas City fan 
and that you're yes. going to go down and tailgate and whatnot. And they ended up losing last Sunday to the Bengals. Are you okay? We'll see, we'll see what happens come playoff time. That's a good matchup, though. God, Joe Burrow's good. Love he that. He's good. And he so is Mahomes. That was a great game. Great it really game. was. But, but we'll see what happens in playoff. Those guys will match up again, in my opinion. You think it's another AFC championship rematch? I, I do. I do. I think they're by far the best two teams. And that's just my take. But we'll see what happens next time around. My, my last question. Do you think this is the next Peyton versus Tom Brady? Joe Burrow and Mahomes. You think this is a matchup that we're going to see for a decade? Well, that's a good question. I never thought about that. They're both young. Both have stayed pretty much healthy. I could see that. I mean, there's so many good quarterbacks. Yeah. The guy in San Diego, I'll tell you who's underrated, is the guy in San Diego. What's his name, Tom? Herbert. Justin Herbert. Herbert. And by the way, He's they don't pretty, play in he, San Diego anymore. They play in L.A. Yeah, that's right. That's where you pay $100 for to park your car there in Inglewood. In Inglewood. <laughs> right. But Herbert, I was watching him against the Raiders. You know, he's got no offensive line at yep. all. Yep. I mean, he just gets beat up, and boy, that guy can sling it. You've got Herb, Herbert's, Herbert's outside. I think he's the most underrated. I think the most overrated quarterback is David Carr. I was watching him as well. No comparison between the two. Or even, you know, going with Burrow or Mahomes or Rodgers or Brady or some of those guys. Or even a guy like Drew Brees. I thought Drew Brees was underrated. So many great quarterbacks. Well, those are real athletes, tough guys, Tracy. I mean, seriously. You baseball players, you run around in a big diamond. Um, you know, every blue moon you get a ball hit to you. You know, guys like Herbert, I mean – they're getting killed back there, and they just get up and keep on playing. They're not like these soccer players and these baseball oh. players and, you know, all these Oh, how dare you? Flopping you better around. watch your mouth. You better watch. We're not like those grass fairies playing soccer. <laughs> hey, listen. Hey, what about my call on USC and TCU? I told you they weren't very good, didn't I? What are you didn't talking I? about? TCU got beaten overtime by the 10th-ranked team in the country. Oh, come on. I told you they weren't that good. They are good. They're good. You they're really think Mich so? They're going to beat Michigan in the national semis. Oh, and you have want a to rematch of Ohio State v. Michigan. Will be the highest rated television college football game of all time. Listen here, big shot. You want to bet on that? I'll tell you what, let's bet a stake. Now, I'm not talking something from Golden Corral or Ponderosa or Rubies. I'm talking about a really good stake. Did you okay, just let's... put Rubies in the same sentence as Golden Corral and Ponderosa? Oh, I'm sorry. Did that slip? Uh, sorry. That was a Freudian slip. Sorry. Hey, Lord. I do have something on a serious note. Can we break it down a little bit? Yes, but or, I do want to ask you about a couple of uh, takes that you have before we get to this real quick. Um, you're going out of town again, so I'm assuming you're not going to watch it. But, you know, around here, Tracy, they have something called the Crosstown Shootout, where UC plays Xavier in basketball. Do mm -hmm. you have any interest in that game at all, any take on that game at all? No. Can we get to my topic? All right, wait a minute. <laughs> I want to ask you about Army-Navy. Now, those are real men. Real men, Tracer. Playing football they are. this week. It goes back to 1890, Tracy. This 
is a matchup of what I like to call real men. Uh, you know, I'm not going to, uh, you know how I love the military, right? They're, they're police officers. I come from a family of police officers and actually a lot of military people. The visual that I would like to see, I would like to see Joe Biden walk <laughs> on the field and see what kind of reception he, if he, he, if he would get the same reception as Trump did. Wouldn't you like to see that, Tommy? I'm asking you about the game and the men who play in the game. Who's favored? Navy. By Navy. Two, two and a half. Na who are you taking, Tom? I, I'm taking the Naval Academy for sure. Okay, I'll take I'll take Army. And can we place that bet another steak dinner? You Either got it. Cold you got it. You yeah, okay, got it. All right, let's let's put a couple of bets on this. Let's we make have it a woman who only joins us, Tracy, on the chat whenever you're on, and she says, "quote per usual, Tracy is looking very hot." Listen here, is this you sure it's not your mother-in-law? I'm quite sure no? it's not her. Okay, can, can what's her name? Who? What's her name? Well, this woman that's got the hots for me. Sharon. Okay, Sharon, can you do me a favor and DM me? Okay? Just just send a picture maybe in your bathing suit, something like that. And I mean, just my wife doesn't care. We could do that. All right, what's the topic you wanted to get into? Okay. Are you guys bothered at all of all the money that's being spent in baseball? And the Reds have done nothing. They signed Luke Maley out of Covcath, which I've met Luke a couple times. Great kid, by the way. First class, very good ball player, Kentucky player of the year. I've met him. Very nice kid. I'm not knocking Luke, but that's your big signing? Why these other teams are spending millions and millions and millions of dollars. And Tom, it's really quite simple. Out of the 30 teams, now you're going to learn something here. I like to educate you people. Yes. Do you know how many billionaires are the owner? How many owners that are billionaires in baseball. There's 30 teams, right? Yeah. Do you know how many billionaires? Go ahead. Billionaires. I'm going to say there's probably only about uh, three or four. Maybe if that, maybe not even that many. Might be zero. Paul, you want to guess? Uh, I would, uh, I'm trying to, I'm trying to go through them in my head. I'm. Well, I'm you think about it. Casey, you think, Paul, thinks a little slow. Um, Casey, you want? Uh, two. Two. You ready for this, boys? 24 out of 30. There's only six owners that are not billionaires, and the one who has the least net worth, and I'm not knocking him because he's certainly got a lot more money than, than I do. Just give me some more time, though. Castellini is worth $440 million. He, his net worth is the least. This is my point. He has no other choice in the next couple years to sell the team. Tom, this is a hobby for these billionaires. It's not, they don't want to lose money, but they're not looking to make a ton of money. He can't compete with that. It's not a knock on Castellini. He's been extremely successful. I mean, 440 million net worth compared to some people that have $6 billion. It's it's just unfair for the Reds. They, well, they can't well, well, now, you know, um, I, I have no doubt that what you just said is 100% accurate, but here's a deal on the Reds' ownership, okay? As you know, they have multiple people, dozens of people that have money in the team, okay? You've got the Williams brothers, Tom and Joe Williams, that have a mm -hmm. big chunk of money in there. You've got the, you know, a number of other guys that 
that, that pooled together at the time. I think uh, one share of the team when they first bought the team was worth $6 million. So maybe, you know, you, me, and seven other guys uh, ponied up to get to the $6 million. So the that ownership group of the Reds collectively is without question a billionaire. If you combine the money that they have okay. total, there is no doubt that all of those guys combined, and I could rip off the names, but I'm not going to do it. Those guys, if you added them all up, easily multi-billionaires as an ownership group. Okay, that's a good point. So why aren't they spending the money then? Okay, but here, here's what I wanted to ask you. Okay, here's what <laughs> I want to ask you. I, and I mean this. Uh, Nick Crawl came out, the Reds general manager, who I've stated on his show today and many other days, I think if given the chance, would be an outstanding general manager. I really do. Okay. I think he's paid uh -huh. his dues. He's come up for being a scout, development, drafting. I, I, he is, mm -hmm. he, he's, he's got the whole package. He's humble. He's a grinder. He's all those things you want in, in that kind of a job. Sounds like me. But he does. But, you know, your hands are tied by payroll. You can only do so much. He came out at the winter meetings the other day and basically made the pitch. And I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this if you were a player. And basically his pitch is, look, we have a little bit of money to spend, not a lot, but maybe you're a player a year ago who had a bad year, that it had a good career before last year. Maybe you were a guy who had a good career doing one of these. You got hurt last year. And now you're looking for somewhere to play. We play in a hitter's ballpark. You can come here and play for us and get your career back on track. If you were one of those guys out there that's basically in that position or positions that I just laid out, and there are other positions, um, what do you think about that? I mean, th there's something appealing about that, yeah. right? Because you know you're going to go somewhere and play, right? Mm-hmm. That's a great point. <clears throat> the, excuse me. I would as a hitter because you made the point. It's a great hitter's ballpark. So you could put up some big-time numbers as a hitter. I don't think I would come here as a pitcher. No, I agree. But I think, I think I would his do pitch it, is to offensive players. Uh, on the offensive. I think it's a good idea because some player, well, it didn't work. Billinger, Cody Billinger, he went to the Cubs, right? Got $16 million. Right. But a player like Billinger, right? That's down a couple years. He's been hurt and gets a chance to play. He gets big numbers. And then all of a sudden, he, he gets a, a long-term deal. I think it's the way he's got to play at Kroll. I think that's a good idea. And it's a good idea for agents to see that and say, listen, I know you want this kind of money. It's not going to happen. You go and play for the Cincinnati Reds. You put up those numbers. I'll get you I'll get you a multi-year deal. I think it's a great strategy. I, I do. I think it's a great plan because that's what other options do you have besides building up the minor leagues? You really don't. You're not going to go out and spend that big money on a free agent. I mean, it's crazy money, Tom. Yeah. These guys are getting so what, – what is Judge getting? Is he getting $40 million a year? Yeah, $40 million so, a year for nine years. And, and, and you know, even guys – and I, I made reference earlier. <clears> the guy's <throat> had a really nice career. He's a good pitcher and has been for a long, long time. I think he's an underachiever outside of a year or two with the White Sox, and that's Jose Quintana. 
This guy last year, and you know, the whole analytics crowd, Tracy, which you're a big part of, you're right in the thick of all those analytics. Uh, you know, they scream and yell that, uh, that, that wins by a starting pitcher don't matter. I, I think that's just ridiculous. But nonetheless, um, he won six games last year. I know. 32 I know. starts for a crappy Pirates team. He pitched great once he came to the Cardinals. He gets two years for almost 30 million bucks. You know, he was a, a guy, too, that was traded to the Cubs, I think. Going yes. back, and the Cubs yes. gave up a ton of good ball players. Jimenez, yep. that Cease was another yep. player. Yep. I mean, he's he's dead average. I mean, he's a dead average. And can you imagine writing that check to that guy? You know, you could sit there. We could argue about Verlander and DeGrome and Judge and Turner and all those guys. But that's the guy that I have a problem with getting that kind of money or wanting that kind of money. It's just ridiculous. I mean, Bob Castellini can't. You say he can, then. You're saying that that ownership can afford something like that or to no, dip no, no, into no, no, the free no. agent just, market? I was only making yeah. the point that that, that that ownership group, if you added them up, they would be billionaires. That's all I was saying. Yeah. I, in the state, in the condition that they're in right now, there are just so many holes that need to be filled that it just doesn't make any sense to go out and try to spend money to get the guys you just mentioned. Right. The, there, there are. Contreras going to do here if you want to sign him? Nothing. Nothing. I mean, the Cardinals and, are bringing you, him in because they expect to win tomorrow. Right. Yeah. You you just look at the Reds and I, I you start being serious. They got so many holes to fill. They do. I don't know where you start. I mean, I talk about you know the two young pitchers, right, Green and Lodolo. I'm looking at their numbers. It's not that impressive. I'm not saying they're they're not good because they they got good arms, but their record, their ERA, not very good, was it? I, I mean, these are supposed to be your number one and number two guys going forward. I mean, it's it's certainly not, you know, you know, Sid Fernandez and Dwight Gooden and Ron Darling and you know those kind of guys. I mean, well, I mean, I will say this, and, and I was uh, I got there the year after it happened. But Greg Maddox, first full year in the major leagues, he lost 18 games and had an ERA over five. Yeah. Now, you got to get your feet on the ground. Um, you know, those guys get a hall pass for me because they do have great arms. Hey, by the way, speaking of Sharon, um, she said, bathing suit pick, question mark. She says, okay, Tracy. She says, but I have to tell you, I haven't shaved in two years. It's so bad that my neighbors referred to me as Chewbacca. Let me tell you something. What's her name, Sharon? Sharon? Sharon. Save that DM. <laughs> Save that. To, give it to Polly or Casey. I know Polly and Polly, that relationship won't, won't last. Send it to Polly. <laughs> Polly, by the way, what'd you, what'd you get for your birthday from your girlfriend? Oh, here we go. Oh. Here we go. Uh, I got... No, I, wait, wait. Nah. Walk through what you received and walk <laughs> through your night, please, before we let Tracy go. Yeah, it was it was a very eventful night for me. We went we went downtown. We went to uh, we went to Jeff Ruby's. Then we went out to three different bars. Uh, we were out to like three or four in the morning. It was a crazy night. Oh, Are that's you telling the truth? No. <laughs> I no ate, okay. I ate dinner at my house. I got some clothes and called it a night. 
<laughs> and, and she didn't get you a gift or anything. You need no, to show this. She yeah. did. What, what did she well, get what'd you? What did she Taylor, get you? Taylor Swift. I had. A, I. I. I needed. Look, I'm. I'm a simple man, Tracy. You know that. I'm not demanding. I. I had asked for a couple of couple of pieces of clothing, and I got them. And I was a happy guy. What are those things that you put a beer can in to keep them cold? What are they called? A koozie. Uh, koozie. Yeah. Koozie. Yeah. koozie. Okay. Koozie. <laughs> I, I thought maybe she got you a Taylor Swift koozie. Oh, that'd have been good. <laughs> funny tom i like that you need to dump this chick you'll, you'll find another girl uh, eventually and, and, and Polly, did you take her to my suggestion did you take her to the brass ass or no 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 we got the whole weekend we i got i got friends coming in for the crosstown shootout this weekend we we have plenty of time for that oh please do please do <laughs> I've, I've heard, go. I've How heard, would she I've, react, Paul, if you said to her, you walked in the door uh, this afternoon, yeah. she gets out of school, she's a school teacher. How would she react if you uttered the words Tracy just suggested and said, you know, honey, uh, my birthday night was a little bit of a disappointment. I appreciate the clothes. <laughs> we hung out at home. You know, I'm kind of thinking to liven things up a little bit. Um, even though we're not in the 13th year of marriage or the 22nd year of marriage, we're only <laughs> dating that we should head down to the VA for a little while. Yeah. I think it would go over very well. I think she'd honestly, I think she would drop whatever she was doing and just go down there. She'd be like, all right, let's get in the car. Let's go down there. I think that's how it would go. It would be a learning process because you can take her and show her the girls and say, if you ever look like this, I'll divorce you. Remember, that's a place that you actually have to pay to keep the, keep the girl's clothes on. It's the only strip bar like that. They actually have a girl that she's so old, instead of the pole, she uses a walker to dance around. Tom, do you remember that? Did you ever see that woman? She's like 74, something like that. I mean, good for 74. I'm telling you, you would like it as your dad. Hey, did you ever get any video, by the way, of your mother's, your mother-in-law's Porsche? You know, that was a real touchy subject. I did. I promise I'll see her when I go, uh, not to get my reparation check, but I'll see her when I take the train to her place right. in Santa Barbara. And I'm doing that on Wednesday. But I will, I swear to God, guys, I looked at that car. I would never spend money like that. It was Tom. She said with tax and license, it was two sixty seven. I know you said Paul. You were getting ready. Well, to Well, yeah. Wait a second. Hold on. Back. At, so you're flying tomorrow. Yeah, you to, took the words right out to of to L.A. Then you're coming back here. Then you're taking a train back to L.A. You're making three trips to L.A. in the span of ten days. But you, I'm flying first class. It's a difference. It's a and I and I really enjoyed. I enjoyed the Caesar salad I had at my seat. And also, if you sit in first class, you get a foot rub, by the way. Mm. But you have to ask for it. One final, um, one final note from Sharon, since she's been such an active part of the program today, before we let you go, Tracy. She says that Paul's girlfriend bought him a pair of leather chaps and Crocs. What'd she get? Leather chaps, which you, you've had a pair of those. When you were out in Oregon in the minor leagues, you had to have a pair of leather chaps, right? I've only seen leather chaps on one other person. I think that was Jim Bowden. Oh, my God. 
<laughs> Isn't that his nickname, all leather pants? No, that's all right. That's, uh, nah. I don't know. Wear them next time, will you? On the show. Paul? Oh, my God. All right. This show is going straight in the tank. Numbers are going up. <laughs> they actually are. That you might know what? Be a learning lesson something? for all of us. What's that? Can I can I do something? I feel like I know this this woman Sharon. Yeah. And I have I have the ability to guess weight. I I used to I I could just get a feel for someone, and I could get I used to do it on WLW all the I time just yeah. by yeah. right. Yeah. yeah. Sharon. 275. No chance. I'm betting that Sharon is a knockout. And I think Anne Harry. in this game from all the rest of us. I think she's just having fun. I'm just kidding. I'm Racer sure Sharon's State a track. travels to California again, my friend. And, uh, you know, uh, be careful out there. Tell Gavin we said hello. Uh, enjoy first class. We'll be thinking about you over the weekend uh, while we're watching the shootout, Army, Navy, and the Bengalis. Don't forget about our bet, buddy. I believe me, I'm well aware. Yeah. All right. Tracy, Have a good week, Dykes, leader of men. Tracy, if you're wanting yeah. to uh, find Sharon, her last name is Peters. So if you want to look her up and see what yeah, you can find. I wasn't going to give her last name. How do you spell that? Don't worry do, about I, it. Sharon Peters. All right. A privilege. Is that with an S at the end or just Peter? Tracer, nice to oh. see you. See you, Tommy. All right. Have a good weekend, boys. You do the same. All right, boys. I guess that's it. All right. All right. Thank you. Absolutely, Tom. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see all of you tomorrow. Big day tomorrow. We're going to have Steve Wolf on to talk about the uh, Crosstown shootout. Hopefully. And Terry Nelson is now thumbs. Can't wait for that. That's going to be fun. We'll have Steve Wolf, Terry Nelson, and we'll do our picks. What time is uh, Terry at Brennan or Brandon? 1030. 10.30. 10.30. So if Terry at 10.30, Wolf at 11, yep. Picks at 11.30, we'll be ready to go. Hope all of you have a great day. Thanks so much for joining us on Off the Bench, presented by United Dairy Farmers.